You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of HR Mavericks. I'm Garrett Justice, your host, and today I'm joined by Angela Livingston, who's a senior HR business partner at Case in Colorado. Angela, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. I'm so glad to be here, Garrett. Well, we are super excited to have you on the show. And how's the beautiful weather in Colorado? I feel like Utah and Colorado, we're kind of like sister states, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's um, it's dry. I'm looking at a cloudless blue sky. Um, Love it. It's a little chilly sometimes, still gets a little warm sometimes. So perfect fall. Love it. Well, we're excited to have you on the show today and really excited to jump into our topic. But before we do, tell our listeners a little bit more about your career background and also what CASE does. Sure. So I have been in HR for just about a decade. I'm a little late coming to finding my calling. Um, but now that I'm here, I absolutely love it. And, um, you know, I, I encourage anybody who's changing career tracks not to feel like you're starting over from scratch because you can use everything you've learned up to that point. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've been with my current company, Case, for just under three years now. And Case is spelled C-A-E-S, not C-A-S-E, but we pronounce it Case. And what we do is provide the analog and radiation hardened technology to primarily to the United States as defense products, but also other services. Um, The division that I work in is the space systems division, and we put a lot of really neat stuff into space. And we also support healthcare equipment that's being used to fight COVID right now as well. I love it. I mean, so, so valuable and very, very cool business. I mean, you were telling me before we jumped on here, you even have parts on the Mars rover, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Mars rovers and solar orbiter, um, all kinds of satellites, right? Um, Very cool. Yeah. I I looked at your LinkedIn company page and I think the only words that I really understood from the high technical, you know, wording there was just missile defense radar. So there's something in the range of missile defense and space and it just sounds cool, right? Yeah, a lot. Of, a lot of our work is uh, defense work for the United States government. Um, you know, through the the prime contractors, and we're a subprime contractor. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've got a lot of employees that have security clearances, and we've got cleared facilities and and all that kind of stuff to work with. Very cool. Well, we're excited to dive into this topic today and kind of tap into that knowledge that you have. But before we really jump into this, one of the questions I really like to ask people is what made you choose a career in HR and what's kept you in that career so far? Oh, well, that's easy. I thought you were going to ask me something hard. <laughs> uh, like most HR people, I, uh, I got into it because I'm addicted to helping people and I'm not well suited for things like being a doctor or a nurse. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think I can quite handle social work. Honestly, mm-hmm. just probably not for me. I could probably do it for about a week. Uh, <laughs> But um, I wear my heart on my shoulder too much to, to do that on a day in, day out basis. And I just don't manage the stress of, of healthcare very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I found that in HR, I have the opportunity to really help people through some, some rough stuff, both at work and in their personal lives. When we're dealing with disability things, we're dealing with, um, you know, 
everything from like, I just don't understand why I'm not getting promoted to, you know, my parents are getting older and I don't know how to deal with it. Right. Um, Just all of the stuff, right. Of being human that you bring to work with you. And I I love that. And I think it's so common among so many HR professionals who I've spoken with is there's just a desire, innate desire to help people. That's one of the things I love about HR so much is you have the opportunity to do that. And you have so many awesome people who are just not self-focused, who are service oriented and wanting to help the people around them. And it's so needed. So um, with that, I'd love to jump into our topic today. Then Mm -hmm. Um, our topic is you and I discuss what do we talk about today? you kind of pose this idea of discriminating tastes or unconscious bias. And so to really, to really jump into this topic, which I think is a great one, I'll, I'll tell you too, the first time I really heard that term unconscious bias, um, maybe not the first time, but the, the first time I really started to understand it was uh, maybe five years ago, the company that I was at previously actually brought in a consultant to tell us more and teach us more about unconscious bias and had us take you know, a test to identify where our unconscious bias was. And I thought it was an awesome activity and opportunity. So I'm excited to dive into this and really talk about this topic today. So the first question I have for you to really set the stage here is um, help us understand what unconscious bias really means and why it's important. Yeah. So like you, 10 years ago, I never heard of it. Right. And I learned about it at work. I was working at Shell at the time and they have a really um, diversity and inclusion minded business. Um, And so they have specialists in house will come teach you these things at different teams and whatnot. So I really lucked out by getting a lot of great training from them to get me started down this path. Um, I think the, the best definition I've ever heard of unconscious bias is the simplest, which is simply judgments and behaviors towards others that we're not aware of. Hmm. Just that simple, right? Um, now you can get a little further into this because, um, you know, the things that we're not aware of are still hurting people, right? So this gets into your, your question about why, why is this so important? Mm -hmm. Um, over 20 years ago, we started seeing surveys being done about how the the same exact resume with a different name on it was responded to differently by people, right? Um, And unfortunately, Bloomberg reported this year, July of 2021, that it's still happening. Hmm. It's still happening. Black sounding names are not getting the same amount of callbacks as white sounding names. Right. Um, and uh, and female names don't get the same callback uh, rate as as male names. So, you know, a, uh, a Jose, a Juanita, a Jamal, a Jane, they're not going to get the same callback with the same last name as a John. Right. So a John Smith is going to get more calls than a Jamal Smith or a Jose Smith. Right. And yeah. that's just not cool. Yeah. Period, right. Because. Yeah. Clearly, we're making decisions on something other than what's on the paper in terms of qualifications. And that is something I want to help people understand how that happens and how we can help keep it from happening in the future. And so that hopefully the next time they do these surveys, it doesn't happen. Everybody's getting the same level of callbacks because it's the same resume, right? Yeah. No, this is great. And I, I love this topic. I think the key piece of it, too, that you really point out is it's unconscious bias. So mm-hmm. it, it really means like you might not be aware that this is going on, but if you were to do, you know, that test, 
you might, of the resumes, like you kind of just described, you might see that like, there is a difference there. Right. And so that's, I think that's a key piece of it to really make sure that we understand as we, as we talk through it. So the next question I have for you is really, how can you know if you have an unconscious bias like this, because it's unconscious, it's not something you can just think back on your behavior, right. And say, oh yeah, I could have done differently. then how do you, how do you really identify um, these biases? Well, the first thing I tell you is that you have one, you have at least one, um, because we all do. There's this little thing shaped like an almond in your brain called an amygdala. And, um, that funny little word comes from almond because that's what it was named after is its shape. And there's really actually two of them, one in each hemisphere. Um, and what these little guys do is they sort information. That's their job. And they do it really, really well. They sort information super fast because back when we were like barely walking upright, um, its job was to identify scary things and get us out of the way. Right. So it kicks in your fight or flight kind of responses, right? It's, it's related to memory. It's related to learning. It's related to emotional processing. And what it does is it takes an input and it sorts it into a bucket, right? So maybe there's a bucket, it it identifies tree and it puts it in a bucket of benign, not going to cause me problems. And then there's another image that comes to it that says, saber-toothed tiger. And you go, oh my, Uh, (laughs) because you don't really want human beings standing around thinking about, wow, those are really big, right? Before Mm -hmm. taking action. And Mm -hmm. instead your amygdala dumps it straight in the threat bucket and Mm -hmm. it kicks in all those instincts that say, run. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the problem now is that we've not necessarily outgrown our amygdalas, but we've let them get a hold of some things we probably shouldn't, right? Mm -hmm. Because we need it to sort all the information and it is doing it on an unconscious basis because if we couldn't handle it as Neanderthals, you know that the kind of information inputs we receive now, there's no way we can handle it on a conscious basis. Right. So the trick will be letting the amygdala do its job, but knowing what it's doing and how you can go, okay, I have that piece of information. Do I want to use it that way? Yeah. I love it. I think that's such a great example that you share too, because it really helps you understand where this is happening in the brain and why it's happening. So the next question I have for you is to kind of build on that. If we all have unconscious bias, does that mean that I'm racist and I'm sexist? And like, should I, should I, should I think that about myself because I have an unconscious bias? Right. And I'm so glad you asked this because this is the most common question I get when people are brave enough to ask. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, and it was the first question I had when, when I learned about this and, you know, everybody who learns about it, that they're like, oh, my gosh, does that mean I'm a horrible person? No, it means you're an absolutely biologically normal person. Right. <laughs> like I said, the amygdala is doing its job and it's doing its it's doing it well. Right. So we should have these biases. It's just a question of whether we take actions and those actions become preferences. Right. Um, and because it's unconscious, we are going to have to find out what exact kinds of biases we have and then take steps to keep those preferences from becoming actions where they're they're showing up as themes. Right. Um, and in, from my understanding, the best way to figure out what your biases are is to go to the Harvard EDU website. And we're going to drop that link for you and start taking some implicit tests. 
Um, these are not hard, complicated tests. Um, they don't take very long either. But what is difficult about them is that at the end, it's going to tell you, this is your bias, right? And that's hard to absorb. So I don't recommend doing this at work. I don't recommend doing it around other people because you need to do some self-reflection and that's usually better done in private, right? Um, And the other thing is that you need to take the same test a few times because the way you're feeling when you go into the test, the things you're thinking about before and during the test, they all impact how quickly you can sort things and how well you sort the things. And that's what they're really doing is they're pressing your amygdala to do that sorting and do it fast, right? Um, so learning what kind of biases you tend to have then tells you what sort of mitigation tactics you can take. Right. Yeah. I love it. I think that's such a great tip. And we will, like Angela said, we'll drop the link for where you can find that free test in the show notes. So if you're interested in going to take that, you can find that, that link there. But I, that, that is the test that I took a couple of years ago. And I I think it's very impactful. It can be very helpful to just be self-aware and to identify. So it's important, like you said, to know that, you know, it doesn't mean that you are racist or you're sexist or whatever, if you have this, Mm -hmm. this unconscious bias, but it's also important to identify where you naturally have some of these biases. And so that you can be aware of those when making decisions where that bias could come into play. Is that right? It is. It is exactly because, um, so an example I'll give you is if you are managing a team of people and let's say you've got five or six people underneath you and you've got a new project you want to give, it's going to be high visibility. And it's one of those projects where if they knock it out of the park, that could be the ticket to the next promotion, right? We've all seen these projects go around and there's always questions among the staff of why did that person get it? Right? So if I'm a manager and I've got something that high visibility, challenging kind of stuff going on, I'm going to pick the person I trust that I know is going to run it to completion, that I know is going to do a good job, bring everybody in on it and get us all good results that we all look good for, right? The question is, how do your employees earn your trust? Hmm. Now, obviously, doing a good job earns your trust. But if all of your employees are trusted, who do you trust the most, right? For this example, I'm going to talk about an affinity bias. An affinity bias is, you know, saying that I tend to prefer people who are like me. It's a very common bias to have, and it's completely reasonable. Many of us gravitate to people that are like us in some way or fashion. So if one of my employees is well-trusted, does a good job, but is not my preferred or preferred person, then the, the question behind that becomes, if I don't give them that promotional type of project, is it because they're not my preferred person because I didn't give them the previous project hmm. or the previous project to that? So you can see how these start to add up into mm-hmm. a much more cumulative problem that can actually change the trajectory of somebody's career simply because they're not as much like their manager as somebody else on their team. Yeah. I, I love that example. And I want to get to, you know, kind of the next question of just how do we overcome and mitigate this? But before that, I want to talk just a little bit more about other ways where you have seen this um, unconscious bias 
present itself, especially in the world of like small business HR. You talked about hiring, the hiring process. I think that's a very clear one. You talked about this example of individual managers, but, you know, especially, you know, this podcast, we have a lot of small business owners and HR people who are listening to this. So where are some other ways unconscious bias commonly shows itself in work that they're doing? Right. So one of the things that I always recommend to uh, to folks in any size HR company is to do lookbacks on things like underperformance and on uh, discipline and that sort of thing, because it's real easy for bias to creep in and no one notices. Mm-hmm. Right. So just as an example, if you go back and say, look at the discipline that you've issued over the last year or two, you may find that it tends to be middle-aged people, right? Um, And, you know, or you may find that, you know, it's something a little more traditional, like, you know, we talked about the the issues that Blacks and Hispanics tend to run into, right? Um, It could be that young women are not being given training opportunities. Um, that's, that's a very common one because people don't even necessarily realize it when they, sometimes they'll say it out loud and you can catch them on it. Right. But they may not even realize that they're not considering young women because they think they have young children and thus wouldn't want the extra stress or the travel or, or whatever else might be involved in that. Right. Mm-hmm. But they're not having that same conversation when it comes to young men. Right. Um, Or not so young men that have young families either. Right. Um, So this is where those those unconscious biases start to turn into real problems that when you get a theme, you're looking at real discrimination, maybe racism, maybe sexism and so forth that people aren't even able to identify. So, yeah that's where I usually tell people to start is to look back and see if you've got themes you need to address because odds are you probably do somewhere. I think that's an excellent activity. And I I would definitely recommend everyone do that. I, as you're talking about that, I'm starting to think back on, you know, experiences that I've had throughout my career. And I think I'm going to spend some more time after that doing, you know, even more self-discovery. I think it's healthy to do that every once in a while. So we can identify those themes like you talked about and avoid those situations as they present themselves again in the future. So I love that. So I want to get back to that previous question. You talked about this, um, how it could present itself, you know, as a manager or in the hiring process. So what can we do about it? Like, are there easy ways that we can overcome or mitigate this? I think you talked about identifying those themes, but what else can we do to really help overcome this? Certainly. So um, the hiring practice uh, will have lots of opportunities. Um, One of the first ones that comes to mind is um, what they call blind resumes, right? Uh, Now you can do this in-house or if you partner with recruiters, you can ask them for help with this. But uh, this would involve things like taking the names off or turning them into initials, um, issuing numbers instead or some kind of code. Um, and so that we don't run into the problem we started this conversation about, right? Um, they will remove pictures from resumes. And just as a free public service announcement, don't put your picture on your resume. <laughs> don't do it. Don't give anyone an extra reason to toss it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and then that goes on both sides, right? You don't want your managers just not even knowing why this resume doesn't look as good as this other one, right? Yeah. And it's because they don't like the picture, 
right? And it may be simple, like, I don't like the color of the shirt the person's wearing in that picture, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, because, and that's the problem with unconscious bias is not only is it unconscious, but it can be about any aspect of humanity. It doesn't have to be one of the protected classes, Mm -hmm. right? And then there's no recourse if the manager doesn't like the color of the shirt you're wearing, right? Um, so, you know, a blind resume is going to make sure that, you know, if there's a reference to a sorority that, you know, anything that's, you know, gender related gets pulled out, or especially if you've got something like a chairwoman position, they'll turn it into something more neutral. Um, and, and this can happen with ethnicity as well. And religion, of course, if, uh, a lot of times volunteer work will, will reference, uh, houses of worship. Um, and, uh, also some memberships will, will reference ethnicity or, or, uh, or religions and whatnot. And I'm not saying that it's not something you want to put on your resume. If it's a good experience, put it on there. But, um, you know, if you have the opportunity as a company to, to blind these resumes to a lot of this sort of thing, it's, it's really not hard to do. They just blackline it. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, or take little adjustments out. Um, simple things like in your application process, stop asking for graduation dates. Yeah. If they graduated, that's a yes or no question. And that's really all you care about. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's, it boggles me when I see how many companies are still asking for the year that you graduated. Why do you care? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I, and I love that example. Cause I think that that's a very tactical example that many people could start to implement in their hiring processes that can help eliminate or, or reduce this unconscious bias that naturally takes place. Uh, like you mm-hmm. said at the beginning of this, that a recent study found that it's still happening today at many companies. And so yeah. love that example. Are there other examples that you have of ways that you've seen um, companies successfully mitigate this? You know, honestly, one of my favorites is uh, calibration sessions. Um, so this would happen if you have a formalized year-end review process, and I hope you do, um, that, you know, after you get the managers to decide what, you know, what rating they want to give Angela for the year and what rating they want to give Jimmy for the year, then uh, you get all the managers for a department together and have them talk about why they gave the rating they gave. And this gives the opportunity for Joey's manager to tell Angela's manager, you know, hey, I think Angela's actually exceeding expectations because I don't think you're aware that she goes above and beyond for all of us. And she's still getting the stuff done for you. Right. Um, and it also gives the opportunity for the other way around. Like, you know, it's great that uh, the Joey gives you all the things that you want, but no one really wants to work with Joey. Let me tell you why. Right. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful part about being an HR person in these conversations is that you get to ask questions. Right. I love asking questions. I think Mm -hmm. it's just an inherent part of being an HR, right. Is to dig and poke and prod. And you get to ask them questions like, do you think that's a performance issue or do you think there's a cultural element to it? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's amazing because you can actually see the light bulbs go off over people's heads when they're like, Oh, Oh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, because some some cultures have a reputation, shall we say, for being more aggressive Mm -hmm. and some cultures have a reputation for being uh, more introverted. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, do you really want to tell someone they're not performing well because you don't like that they don't speak up in meetings? Maybe that's a coaching thing as opposed to something where you're just going to tell them you're not meeting the expectations. Right. It could be a legitimate part of the job where you you can't do this job if you're not willing to speak up in a meeting. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying that in all cases, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I really enjoy doing those calibration sessions because it gets you really deep in both understanding your employees as well as understanding how your managers are thinking as well. Yeah. I love that. Excellent example. So, um, Angela, this has been, it's just an awesome conversation. There's like stuff that I know I want to go do right now. And I'm sure there's everyone listening is the same, same way is there's stuff you want to go do, especially go take that, that survey. So again, we're going to drop that link to that survey, which will help you first identify, um, your unconscious bias where it is. And then like Angela said, encourage you to take it again and again, different times of day, because your mood can kind of affect that or other things that are affecting you can affect the results of that survey. And I think that this is an awesome topic that is applicable for everyone, especially those who work in HR. So thank you for taking the time to share your insights with us today. As we get ready to kind of wrap up here, there's a question I like to ask everyone not related to the topic. It really relates to our mission at our company, Eddie, is to help local businesses build healthy, enduring companies. Um, And so in your opinion, my question for you is, what's the key to building a healthy, enduring company today? Well, for me, everything in business boils down to respect, right? If you are respectful of others, um, and those others may be your employees, they may be your managers and leadership, they may be your customers, they may be the, the neighborhood your business sits in, in your community. If you're respectful of others, they will in turn respect you. And to me, that's the kind of legacy you really want to leave behind. Because if you can't do it respectfully, I really question whether it's worth doing at all. Yeah. And when we talk about building a, um, an environment of belonging, right? So diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging um, is the way we refer to a lot of this lately. If you really want that belonging, then we have to move people away from the golden rule and into the platinum rule. Are you familiar with it? Yeah, tell us about yeah. it, but yeah. Yeah, so uh, for anyone in the audience that isn't aware, you know, the golden rules, just as you learned in kindergarten, Treat others like you want to be treated. But the platinum rule is treat others the way they wish to be treated. And that gives people that sense of welcoming and belonging and um, really is going to create the kind of environment that allows you to be successful. Because when people are welcomed in, they produce better because they want to be there and they want to see the mission succeed. Um, as opposed to just clocking in and then clocking out and getting a paycheck. Yeah, I love it. Excellent advice. Respect and treat people how they want to be treated. So love it. Um, Last question I have for you is what's the best way for our listeners to get in contact with you if they have follow-up questions or they want to talk more about this topic with you? Absolutely. Uh, The easiest way to find me is on the HR Mavericks membership uh, pages. Um, So I think you can drop that link for them. And that, of course, has my email address. um, And it also has my um, LinkedIn profile. Uh, And those are both good ways to get a hold of me. Perfect. Well, we will for sure drop that link in. And just in, in case you're not aware, if you haven't yet checked out the HR Mavericks community, we'd love to have you join free community. And I know Angela has been a big part of that. We've loved all of the content she's helped create for the HR encyclopedia and uh, the posts and everything else. So thank you again for taking the time today to share your insights with us and on in the community. And we hope you have a great rest of the day. Excellent. Thank you so much. I'm having a, a, a real blast 
doing this democratization of HR information. <laughs> Good. Well, let's go get it together. All right. All right. Thanks. I'll see you we'll next see time. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. But often, small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll, and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline, deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddie. Eddie is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddie, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddie.com today to request a demo.